This is the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. And welcome on in this Saturday morning. A lot different than last Saturday. Beautiful, warm day around the Tri-State area, so you have a chance to get out and spend some time outside for the first Saturday in a long time. It is the Hockey Show, as you've fallen in love with week four of this installment of the Hockey Show, year two, brought to you by the All-American Auto Group at locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant, and of course, our good friends at Slowman's. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME to receive a free doorbell camera with the installation of your Slowman Shield. Keep your family safe. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. So we're, we're kind of in a strange territory at the moment because the Islanders are back, the Devils are back, and the Rangers are still in the midst of, of an extended All-Star break. So Rangers are not back to action until next Tuesday, about four or five days from now, when they take on the Boston Bruins. Islanders have already returned and played a couple of games, and the Devils the same. So um, for the Rangers, they, they rest, they get healthy. Uh, yeah, Adam Fox is now back into the lineup. And the Rangers, through 47 games so far this season, have put themselves in in great standing. The Islanders have an unbelievable amount of work to do just to to sneak in and and catch the Bruins for that eighth spot. And you look at the Devils and you say to yourself, odds are distinctly against them from getting themselves into the postseason. So Rangers should get in. Islanders have a ton of work to do to get in. And the Devils are probably going to be on the outside looking in. Let me set the scene for you today. In just a couple moments, we'll dive uh, into the Islanders and what's happened since they've come out of the All-Star break and what they need to do. And hear from Barry Trotz and Matt Barzell. Uh, Don LaGreca, the great Don LaGreca, calls a lot of Rangers games for us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, And of course, he's on the Michael K. Show. He will join us at about 7.15 this morning. And then we'll get into the Devils and then we'll give you a tour of... uh, the, the locals and what they have coming up this week. Very, very busy week for uh, for the local team. So that's where we start. Let's jump off with the Islanders. And the Islanders, if you remember now, we did the show last Friday and we heard sound from Barry Trotz and he was livid. He was, he. I mean, he, I, it felt like he was physically repulsed at what he saw with his team's performance at home against the Kraken. Kraken beat the Islanders 3-0, I believe the score was. And he said, we were god-awful. Just awful. He said, you can't go out. You can't play like that. Well, they had an extended period of time off. They come back Wednesday night in Vancouver. And I I don't know if it's because they're rested and they're healthier or, or if it's something else or it's that the message from Trotz has finally gotten through. But my goodness, five goals in the first period. Islanders easily beat Vancouver by the score of 6-3, to three, and they kick off the second half in style. Let's take a listen to what Barry Trotz had to say. Now, remember, last we heard, he was incensed. Now we hear him from Wednesday, little different tune. Here is Barry Trotz. Did you put Clutterbuck and, and Johnston in the top six to kind of change the field, change the identity of your team a little bit? 
Yeah, a little bit. So it hasn't been working for us. We haven't had consistent production through our lineup. So it was to put some people in a position where, you know, they can add a little more, I'll say weight on all the lines, especially what we call our top two lines and just balance them out and go with a little more four line mentality. I know, you know, like a Casey's line has an identity, you know, why can't we have that through our whole team? So one of the ideas was let's spread it out. Let's you know, put some people in a position to understand that, they, you know, there's certain battle level and some weight on each line that'll hopefully have some success. You can roll four lines and you've got physicality and that's kind of what the Islanders have done the last couple of years and kind of what the Islanders have to get back to. Uh, to, to make a push to try to get themselves into the postseason. So, again, it's amazing. That game on Wednesday against Vancouver, at 325 of the first period, Parisi scores to make it one nothing. Brock Nelson, 18 seconds later, and then 13 seconds after that, after that uh, Anders Lee lights the lamp. And then Sezikis and then Barzell, and by by the time you were uh, four minutes to go in the in the first period, it was 5 nothing. but... Islanders scored three goals in a 31-second span just to stun Vancouver uh, in their first game in the second half of the season. More from the head coach, Barry Trotz. How tough was this for Sorokin having a big lead and needing to to keep himself involved and, and competitive in this one? Oh, we needed them all game. And I mean, uh, the one thing that Vancouver has is they've got some dynamic people. They got lots of speed. They're good offensively. I'm surprised they don't score a lot more. I watched them last night for two periods. Well, actually, I watched the whole game, but the, for two periods, they, they were pretty dominant in the offensive zone. And, and tonight, they were they were real strong uh, in the offensive zone. But we had a good battle. I mean, even in the second period, I thought we had the two things sort of change a little bit. We took too many men on the ice penalty. They got some momentum off that. And we hit a two on old break away could have made it 6-1 we don't score and then they they end up scoring a little shortly after that and they got some momentum and you know we just tried to slow it down a little bit but we defended really hard we're pretty committed but you know they they played a you know take away the first period they played a really for two periods they they came at us pretty hard but we hung in there we we battled hard Uh, commitment level was there we broke up a lot of their plays and we got some a couple of timely saves which were, were very necessary it's funny here from Barry Trotz. You take the first period out of things, and well, that doesn't it doesn't work like that. You don't take the first period out. Yeah, if you if you give back the five goals you scored in the first period, you would have lost that game. But you know, other than the play, Mrs. Lincoln, uh, you know exactly right. Other than the shooting, how was the uh, how was the play? So Islanders with a six three win, scored the first five, scored the last goal as well. Vancouver uh, put a couple goals on the board to make it a little more competitive. But in the end, this was. This was all Islanders. What's the message, Barry Trotz, from this win against Vancouver? You can't expect us to score five goals every game and be up on a team like that. Every game has its own map, if you will, or own set of circumstances, you know, that can change. And we've got to be flexible enough and resilient enough to to roll with the punches when they they come at us, take advantage of situations and and be consistent. And I think that's probably the message is that you got to get comfortable when the games are tight. Today, you know, we got out to a quick lead and then, you know, it started tightening up a little bit and then we became comfortable again. I I like the demeanor on the bench and I like our commitment level. If we can compete every night and we have a high commitment level and we execute reasonably well, you know, there's good opponents on the other side that are going to make you pay as well. So you just bring the consistency every night in terms of the compete, the execution, the detail and and worry about that process and usually get the results. I more want to see us remain on the process so that that's where you get your consistency. Uh, if you, you go, hey, every game's going to be like tonight it's not and that'll be a frustrating way to live for for us as a as a group you know what tends to help five goals in the first 
five goals in the first and, and six goals in the game, I would say the odds of winning that game are in the 99th percentile. Islanders take care of business, a nice convincing win on the road in Vancouver to welcome back the second half of the season. Now, I was intrigued by this because I remember what we played on the show last week and how annoyed and angry. I've never heard Barry Trotz angrier than he was after that game against Seattle. I mean, he was red hot on fire and he was annoyed at his team. He was annoyed at really everything that went along with them. I was interested to see how they were going to rebound in that game against Vancouver. Obviously, it was exactly what you would hope they would do and the way they would respond. But the head coach, were you curious to see the team's response after the break? I was more curious how the lines would work. I thought the response around these guys for a long time, I thought we had the right demeanor in the last two days. And we had before the game, I, I, I had a pretty good feeling it was that we were going to be OK. And there's now no margin for error. Right. I mean, listen, there are teams that have done well enough in the first half of the season. and I'm not entirely blaming the Islanders. I'm not because they had that that monster road trip to start the season. They got hit with covid. They haven't played as many games as other teams. So some of the things that have happened have kind of been beyond their control. But there's no margin for error. There is no, you know, up by a goal. Late stages of the third, we can afford to, to give up a tying goal and lose it in a shootout. You can't waste points now. You can't do that. It's not a possibility. You have to get every single point that you possibly can. And they did. And we'll see if they continue. But margin for error, Rangers, they have some. Rangers, and you don't want it, but could the Rangers afford to lose four out of five? They could. Can the Islanders afford to lose four out of five? They cannot. Matt Barzell, let's take a listen to maybe the Islanders' most talented offensive player. I love I love the soundbite. I love the question. How, how important was the five-goal first period. It was massive. Anytime you get three in the first four minutes, especially after a tough loss in Seattle, coming back from the break, we knew we had to start hot and get going. And uh, just to, to get a good lead like that was nice. It's sometimes harder being up 5 nothing in the first period. Just You know, you're just going to see heavy pressure the entire night. And they did a good job. Stroka made some big saves. So it was a good game for us and get back on track. I love the question. How important was the, the five-goal first? Nah. You know, we score five, we score five, we don't score at all. It's, it's all the same. I mean, of course it's huge. You put five. The game is over. The game is over. I mean, we could get in touch with Elias and find out what the odds are if you score five goals in the first period and take a 5 nothing lead. I'm sure you're winning at like 99.999%. So, yes, the, the five-goal first was massively important. More, uh, more from Matt Barzell, and I think this is a little better, on playing well in, in front of, of his family. It's exciting. I think anytime that guy goes home, it's exciting. It's exciting for the group. We go to Minnesota. A bunch of guys from Minnesota, you want to get the win for them. So I felt I felt like the boys were trying to play well and just get the win here. Maybe for me and my family, it was just, which is just a good feeling as a, as a teammate and seeing my boys in the warm-up and seeing my family just up in the box. You know, it's just fun to be out here. Yeah, it's got to be something that's comforting and probably a little motivating. And his, his team went out there and, and he as well and, and really took it to Vancouver. So the Islanders get that first win out of the break, and we'll see if this leads to them playing some some better hockey in the second half of the season. So let me set the stage again. Uh, the great Don LaGreca will join us in just a couple of moments here on the Hockey Show. We'll really take a deep dive into the Rangers and and look at what they were and what he expects they can be in the second half of the season. Devils, they're, they're scoring goals. There's no doubt about that. We'll hear from Lindy Ruff. And then, of course, in the final segment, we'll look ahead to the coming week for the Islanders, the Devils, and the Rangers as well. This is the Hockey Show. I'm Dave Rothenberg on a Saturday morning with you. Don LaGreca next right here on 98.7 
ESPN. Today's Hockey Heart Spotlight shines on the Islanders Children's Foundation. Established in 2003, the foundation is dedicated to supporting the youth of the local community by providing opportunities to children with a focus in the areas of health, education, and youth hockey development. Founded by the late Charles B. Wang, the Islanders' current majority ownership led by John Ledecky and Scott Malkin continue to make a positive difference for the children. To date, through events and initiatives, the foundation has raised more than $14 million. Get involved by calling 516-501-6870. Hockey Heart Spotlight is brought to you by the law offices of Andrew M. Cohn. For two decades, providing high-end legal services for families who have a child with a disability. The power play is to call 516-877-0595 or go to the web at amcohenlaw.com. Now back to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. And thanks for hanging out with us on this Saturday morning, February the 12th. Rothenberg with you, 9870 ESPN. In the midst of the hockey show, back at 9 o'clock this morning with the three-hour bonanza, the Dave Rothenberg show, we bring in, I mean, I think it's fair to say, the most beloved person at the station, right? Maybe not the biggest star power, but without a doubt in my mind, the most beloved, and that is my friend and yours from the Michael K. Show, from the Rangers, just an all-around great guy, Don LaGreca. Good morning, Don. How are you? Well, good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. And you know what happens when you and I are together. It's, oh, magic. It's a, it's a force. It's a force that uh, management just doesn't want to have to deal with. Yeah, I tend to uh, feel the same exact way. <laughs> but we we did the step around this morning, and we welcome you to the show. And we, we have a lot of Rangers to get into. Um, how surprised are you? First half of the season, Don, we wait for the game against the Bruins next Tuesday. Fox is now activated off of IR. How surprised are you that the Rangers had that kind of a first half of the season? Uh, I'm pretty surprised. Uh, I thought they'd be a playoff team, but be flirting with first place. I don't think anybody really expected that. And obviously when you get as many goals as you got from Kreider and Shesterkin's been just amazing and Fox hasn't missed a beat and keeping Panarin and, and Zibanejad healthy, all like very, very important. But I don't think anybody thought that the first 47 games would – would produce this many points and, and this many wins. I think everybody's got to really be taken aback by just how well things have gone. Now, these next 35 are going to be very tough. The schedule gets really brutal here in the last couple of months. Haven't even played Pittsburgh yet. Three games against Carolina, three more games against Washington, two against St. Louis. I mean, they, they're going to be tested over these next 35, but uh, they've built themselves a really nice cushion, and I am uh, – very surprised by how well they played. You know, I don't know if you felt like this, but when they made their decision after last season, when they got rid of John Davidson and they moved on from David Quinn, uh, I was pretty outspoken about it. I, I thought they made a mistake. I did. I was I was annoyed. I felt like they were building in the right direction. But um, um, I'll be honest with you, I, I was wrong. I was because I did not expect this. And it's, I think it's fair to say they, they would probably not be here if they uh, if they stood pat. So I think I was wrong. Do you feel the same way? Like, did you have that same reaction? And do you feel the same way now, 47 games into the next season? I will say this. I still believe that if given time, John Davidson and Jeff Gordon would have figured the same things out that Chris Drury figured out. Um, I think they realized that there was a lack of toughness there. There wasn't a deal to be made at the deadline last year. And I think given 
the ability and the time, I think they might have made the same decisions. We don't know that for a fact, and I think Chris has done a terrific job, but I, I think John Davidson and Jeff Gordon were good executives that would have seen the writing on the wall like everybody else, that they needed to add toughness like Orion Reeves and and do the things that they did going out and get Sammy Blay, going out and getting uh, Barkley Goudreau. I, I still think those things were possible. Where, where I believe that I was wrong was on the coach. And that's not to say David Quinn was a bad coach. I still think he's a very good coach. But Gallant has just been perfect for this team. And he's not that hard on him. He doesn't ride them hard, but unless he has to. After that Seattle game that they, they pulled out of the last second, he was really upset. But Quinn was somebody that, that rode them hard, was on them. And Gallant seems to have a little bit more of a, a softer touch that I think is just perfect timing for what this team is right now so as much as I was a David Quinn fan and did not necessarily think that he needed to be let go I think Gallant's been a godsend for this team and I think he's a major reason why he's been able uh, they've been able to pull out the games that they've been able to pull out through these first 47 and on on top of that um, you know Gallant has uh, experience he's been there before he's led teams David Quinn did, did not have that at the NHL level and you know maybe there's a, a reason and a rationale behind that that, that he's having more success than than Quinn, in fact, did. But a thing also that surprised me, and I'll, I'll take the L on this one as well, I, I never I never thought that Chris Kreider would develop into this. I always thought he would be the guy that, boy, he, he's big, he's fast, he's physical, he has all the tools, but he never puts it together. And I am I'm stunned, to be honest with you, that we have 33 goals, 47 games in, real chance at 50, and he has now become, I mean, he's the player that you've always hoped that he would become. Well, why would you see it coming, honestly? And, I, and I've always been a fan of Chris. And I, I think he's a hard worker. I think he's a, he's a really good player. He just never found the consistency. He was just so maddening as a fan to watch because there'd be games he'd be so dominant driving to the net, and then there'd be nights where it's like, did I even mention his name when I was doing the play-by-play? And it, it was just maddening. And then you just realize, well, that's just the kind of player that he is. You know, he never scored 30 goals before. 28 was the most he's ever scored. So why would you think he'd be on pace for 50? Why would you think he'd have 33 through 47 games? But he he has really put in the work. He's been consistent. Now, whether this is because he's trying to vie for captaincy, I'm not sure, but I I, I would give it to him right now for yeah, whatever it is. You know, and it's working. And and I think Dave Maloney brought this up and I think there's something to it. David Quinn experimented with him killing penalties last year and, and didn't really stick with it. It didn't really work. Gallant has given him that responsibility, and I think it's really blossomed him into a complete player. And we had him on the K show, and I asked him about it, and he said that you look at things differently when you're killing penalties. And you see where the offensive guy is going to go, and then he has to anticipate more. And now he can apply it to his five-on-five game and certainly apply it to his own power play game, and I think it's made him a better player. And he puts himself in the right positions, and he's a fast player. But you know, if when he can put himself in the positions, it becomes even faster. And look how many deflection goals that he has. Look how dominant he's been on the power play, and he's produced a couple of shorthanded goals too for somebody who's never really played shorthanded. For him to be able to produce that way, I think it's just amazing. So I think uh, Gallant deserves a lot of credit for where Kreider is, but. I, I, I wouldn't beat myself up if I were somebody that was not sh- sure that you'd see this from Kreider. How could you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, at, at what point during his 10-year career did you think that he'd be consistent enough to be uh, at this pace? Now, 50 is still very difficult, and like I said, these last 35 games are going to be tough, but 
Uh, I'd be surprised if he didn't score 40. And for somebody who never scored more than 28 in his career, that'd be a heck of a season. Phenomenal stuff. The great Don LaGreca with us here on the Hockey Show Saturday morning on 98.7 uh, ESPN. So, you know, I don't look at the Rangers, and maybe I'm wrong, as a, as a real Stanley Cup contender. You know, it, it's hard to go from not having been to the postseason to jumping in, Don, and all of a sudden winning the whole thing. So that being said, kind of a two-part question. A, do you disagree? Do you look at this team and say you can see them winning the whole thing? And B, if not, what, what do you think the ceiling is? Like, I've, I've said win a round, compete in the second round, and you've had a phenomenal season. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I get beat up a lot by Ranger fans. How could a guy that works for the Rangers not believe they can win a Stanley Cup? Because I just don't think they're ready for that yet. Um, and, and are they Carolina? You know, are are they uh, are they Tampa? Now you can say, well, Don, they beat Tampa. Uh, they they swept them in a home and home, and right. they took two out of three from Florida. I, I get that, you know. And I, I also remember the Knicks taking two out of three or three out of four from the Heat a while ago, and it didn't matter come playoff time because it's a different animal when you get to the playoffs. And there's not a lot of experience in the postseason for anybody here. I mean, some of them did go into the bubble a couple of years ago. If you want to count that as the playoffs, I don't. There was no fans there. It was kind of a, uh, a a gift by them to being able to go and play in that best of uh, best of five against Carolina, in which they got swept. So I don't think any of them experienced what it's like to be in a a best of seven series um, with with the crowd and the intensity and the expectations. That would be new for Lingren. It'd be new for Fox. It would be new for Kako and Heedle and Lafreniere. I mean, these these guys have never experienced it. Igor Shosturkin's never experienced. It. He didn't even experience the bubble. If you remember, he got hurt. Yep, sure. So, again, they've overcome a lot this year. They've 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 done a tremendous job. But you know, you look at the big boys that they played. Zero uh, and two against Calgary. They got beat up pretty bad about Carolina from Carolina when they played them. Uh, you saw what happened with Vegas. They lost both of those games, and the, Colorado beat them twice because those are the big boys. And uh, and I and I think that they're just not ready to go out there and win four best of seven series and win a cup. Now that said, can Shesterkin steal around? Can Shesterkin play great and they surprise a couple of teams and find themselves in the conference final? I, I think that's possible because it happens in the NHL. I mean, who would have thought Montreal would have went to the Stanley Cup final last year, right? So there's always that possibility, right? What's what's the old adage? Uh, go out and have a, a goalie stand at his head, have a great score, and you can beat anybody. Well, sure. if Kreider's going to do what he's doing and Shesterkin's going to be great, yeah, I, I give him a chance against anybody they play. But four rounds, that kind of intensity, I just don't think they're ready for that yet. But two months from now, could I change my opinion? You know, 30 games from now, can my opinion change? Sure. But right now, I think it's about just making the playoffs, winning a round, being competitive in the second round, growing, getting that experience, and then then handle those expectations next season. So what what do you think? Trade deadline, a little more than a month away, about a, a month and 10 days away. Um, do you expect the Rangers to be active? I mean, they have, a, they have so many pieces to potentially trade. Do you think that they... They really try to go all in now, or, or is it they continue to slow build? I think there could be a maintenance deal if there's a right winger that's available where they don't have to give up too much. I'm really, I really would love to see where this team can go as presently constituted. So when you're like all in, like go all in for this year, I, I don't know if you want to 
you know, start adding salary because they've got they've got a lot of things like Ryan Strom to have to deal with financially. So I don't want to bring on any big contract. If if there's a rental that you think you help you this year, where you don't have to give up too much, you know, if, if Arizona doesn't ask a lot for Phil Kessel and you can kind of bring him in here, then that's that that that's something I think that they would uh, address. But I think they're going to be patient. Any major move they'll probably make is during the off season. But I don't. I don't expect them to make any kind of blockbuster, earth-shattering move here at the deadline. That's all of a sudden going to change uh, the face of this franchise for this season. Are, are you one of the people that takes Tampa until you see otherwise, or do you have another uh, favorite in the East? You know, how do you not? You know, when you see Hedman, when you see Vasilevsky, Stamkos healthy now. I mean, Kucherov's been banged up, but I would expect him to be healthy for the playoffs. I mean, how do you not? It's tough to win the Cup three straight times. Nobody's done it since the Islanders, so they've got that working against them. I think Carolina is terrific. I think Florida is terrific. Um, I think those are teams that could be exceptionally dangerous, but how how do you pick against a Tampa team that just finds a way? And, And they've got a chip on their shoulder, too. Because they've won these two Stanley Cups under extenuating circumstances, right? They they win it in the bubble that first year. Last year, 56-game schedule. Didn't play everybody in the league. Kind of got a layup with Montreal in the Stanley Cup final. So for a team that's won back-to-back Cups, they probably feel like they still want to prove to people that these last couple of years weren't a fluke. And they're exceptionally well-coached. Um, John Cooper is the best coach in the NHL. It is is so... It's so ridiculous how good he is and how he's able to get so much out of his players. So, yeah, it, it's hard, really. As good as Carolina is, as good as Florida is, it's, it's really hard to say that Tampa isn't the favorite to me. And Colorado, too, in the West. Colorado's terrific, but do they have the goaltending? You know, Vegas is good, but can they score a big goal in a big spot? You know, we'll find out with Eichel. Looks like Eichel's going to play next week, so that could be big for them, too. But at least coming out of the East, it's, it, it's Tampa until otherwise. All right, and that, of course, is Don LaGreca. Don, appreciate you waking up and joining us for a few minutes this morning, and uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and I I hope to see you and talk to you very soon. I'm looking forward to that, man. That is the great Don LaGreca. Quick break, come back to the Devils we go. It has been a struggle for the Devils. We'll look at how their second half has started, and we'll do it next right here on The Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN. Andy from Merrick presents today's Defensive Analytics, sponsored by Slomans, the leader in home defense. Playing physical and setting a tempo go a long way to a team's success. The Rangers' Ryan Reeves and the Islanders' Cal Clutterbuck both rank among the league leaders in hits this year. to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. Well, we appreciate Don LaGreca. We've looked at the Islanders. We've looked at the Rangers. It is now time to turn our attention to a team that is scoring more goals in the last couple of games than any in the entire league, and that is your New Jersey Devils. If you remember, we left you off before the break with the Devils having a home and home with Toronto, and it got really, really out of hand. I think Toronto scored something like, I don't know, nine consecutive goals, and and they hammered the Devils twice. Well, I don't know what happened. The return of Lindy Ruff, of course, his father passed away right before um, the end of the first half of the season. He wasn't with the team, and, and he returned, whether it had something to do with that or 
uh, it was a, a vocal conversation or just a level of opponent. But the Devils came out of the uh, the first half of the season uh, with a whimper and into the second half of the season and really, really just just red hot. So uh, on Tuesday of this past week, they took on the Montreal Canadiens. Little did we realize the Canadians would make a change at head coach. The, the beating would be so bad. But let me quickly run through some of the scoring in this one for the Devils. At 4.36 of period one, Michael McLeod lights the lamp, making it one to nothing. Dawson Mercer makes it two nothing later in the first. A goal from the Canadians cut the lead in half, two one. And then it was all Devils the remainder of the way. Five unanswered. Heeshear, Boquist, uh, McLeod again, Zaka and Tatar. And it's a seven one final. The Devils get the victory. So after the game, uh, the Canadians actually fire their head coach. Things have gotten so bad. And if you look at Montreal this season, and again, I know we're a local New York, New Jersey Island um, hockey show, but if you look at Montreal, they went to the finals last year. Now, they weren't all that competitive against Tampa. It was a better team, but this season has been an unmitigated disaster, and it was so bad. Fire their head coach after the game on Tuesday, and guess who gets the job? Marty St. Louis, former Rangers star player. Marty St. Louis uh, is now the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. So that was on Tuesday. Then on Thursday, the devil's back at it. But the opponent, much more difficult, much more difficult this time and on the road in St. Louis. Well, that's not going to stand in the way of the devils. Uh, Subban with the goal unassisted at 212 of the first period. And then they just rolled their way over St. Louis. Michael McLeod makes it 2 nothing, his sixth of the season. Well, St. Louis fought back. They scored three unanswered, take a 3-2 lead. But the third period for the Devils, one, two, three, four. Count them, five goals. Heeshear lights the lamp twice, and the Devils get out of St. Louis with a comfortable 7-4 victory. So... They came into the second half slumping, not playing well, not scoring a ton. First couple of games, the second half of the season, this team has been scalding, scalding red hot. Like I mentioned, uh, Lindy Ruff, he's back on the bench, and um, I'm sure the team is thrilled to have him back. Here is Lindy Ruff following the 7-4 victory over the Blues on Thursday night, discussing the win that his team gave him. Well, you know, I thought a tremendous comeback where you know, the second period got away from us a little bit and we had a couple turnovers in the defensive zone that, you know, allowed them a couple opportunities. But, you know, the second we talked about, you know, the mistakes we made and just said, you know, we got a, we got one shot to, you know, to tie the game up and uh, we played really well through the first period. We knew we were going to get a little push in the second, but I thought our guys really responded well in the third. Uh, that's a big time win for the Devils, really. It, it, it is. I mean, you're on the road in St. Louis and you're down 3-2. And you come back and respond with five goals in the third period. Big time stuff. Now, like I mentioned, uh, the game winner to put the Devils actually up four to three at 11.34 the third was Nico Hishier, his 11th of the season. And then he scores an empty netter with 10 seconds to go. Here is Lindy discussing Hishier's game against St. Louis. Well, you know, I think penalty killing was really important and face-offs were really important. Again, we're, you know, we're counting on him, a lot of key opportunities. That, that late kill was a real important kill. But just his battle around uh, around the puck, you know, it, it's, it's great to see him getting rewarded. You know, the puck's starting to go in for him. You know, it's probably a guy that deserves to have a lot more goals than he, he has. He's missed some great opportunities, but now all of a sudden they're starting to go in. He's got 12 goals on the season and has played his best hockey recently. Um... 
The special teams, obviously very important. Now, the Devils against St. Louis were not great 0 for 3 on the power play. But on the flip side, St. Louis was not great in return. They were 0 for 4 on the power play. Here is Lindy Ruff. What worked um, for the penalty kill? Well, you know, we were, we were plan was to try to keep the puck to the outside. You know, we know that both the flanks have real good shooters too. And, you know, last kill I thought was excellent. I thought the earlier kills, we gave up a couple shot lanes. I thought John made a couple good saves. You're always going to need a couple good saves. And they moved it around pretty quick and they opened up a couple plays, but he was there for us. But at the same time, I thought uh, we limited the number of opportunities they could get. So there you have it. You can, you can tell this more of a, a sense of... Uh... I don't know, maybe urgency from the Devils, because let's be fair, they've had a, a rough couple of seasons, and whether they make it into the postseason or not, and I, I think it's fair to say odds are distinctly against them getting in, but when you look at things, at least they're competing. At least they are giving you you know, goals. At least you don't watch the Devils now in the second half. It's only been two games, and one was Montreal, so I understand, but you don't, you don't look at things and say to yourself, this is an utter disaster. Right. For whatever reason, you're not looking at it like that. And, and that's important for the Devils to build on something, hopefully for themselves in the second half of the season. Seven goals a game, 14 goals in two games. Very impressive. Here is Lindy Ruff reflecting on these these last two victories, one over Montreal and one over St. Louis. I keep talking about trying to get better. It doesn't matter what team we're playing. You know, we wanted to do some things better after we left Ottawa. You know, we thought we played a strong 40 minutes, but we didn't capitalize on some offensive opportunities. You know, I said going into the Montreal game, we really focused on the offensive side, trying to create some opportunities, get some people in some different spots. I think we came out tonight. I really liked our first period. Um, you know, if you went to our fourth line again, great possession down low, controlled the play. Maybe didn't get a lot of chances, but controlled the play play uh, while their top lines were on the ice. So you look at some of the stuff we've done defensively and then offensively these last two games, you know, we got to continue to keep getting better. we got to continue to, you know, try to win hockey games. And that's it. And the nice thing about, you know, being a fan of the Devils, I would think right now, is there's very little pressure. The expectation is this team is they're not going to make it into the postseason, but let's see some of the young guys. Let's see what we're capable of doing. And then maybe we can be spoilers. And, you know, in the, in the absolute perfect storm of the NHL, maybe we'll make some noise and at least play some competitive games down the stretch. You know, when you, when you look at what the Devils are right now, it's been a rough road. It, it really has. At the moment, they're 17, 26, and 5. They're, they've played 48 games uh, only ahead of of Philadelphia at the moment, you know, still behind the Islanders, still behind Columbus and Washington. So, you know, everybody always looks at that that line of demarcation as far as are we going to get into the postseason? Uh, the answer is is no. I mean, you, you're, you're not. You're currently 17 plus points back of any playoff spot. So in order for the Devils to do that, they have what? They're 48 games, so 58, 68, 78, 34 games to play. I, you're going to have to give something like, I, I mean, it's going to be insane, like a 27 and, and 7 kind of a record. And that's just, they're not talented enough to give you that kind of a run. But I think something in there makes you look at it and say, that's it's fine. Because all I want to do, you know, you almost compare them to the Knicks. Now, they, maybe the expectations with the Knicks were a little bit higher coming into the season. But you compare them with, with a team like that because... You don't have any expectations. So you're playing with house money. You go out there and, and you, you win in St. Louis. That's a tremendous victory. And it's all baby steps now because they are a very, very young team. So that's kind of where we are with the Devils at the moment. We've looked at the Islanders. We've looked at the Rangers. We've looked at the Devils. You know, it, it's weird that this three-team combination we have here because more often than not, at this point of the season, 
two of the teams you'd be looking at and saying they have a real chance to get into the postseason. Devils are not getting into the postseason. Rangers are, unless there's an absolute utter collapse, they're going to make their way into the postseason. And then you have the Islanders. And it's it's difficult to look at the Islanders realistically and say, you know what, this is a team that's going to find their way in because they've just dug themselves too much of a hole. So do the Rangers carry the hopes for all of New York hockey? I give the Islanders an outside chance. Devils, it, it will be very, very Difficult. All right. So we've gone through the three locals. We've talked to Don LaGreca. We've heard from Lindy Ruff. We've heard from Barry Trotz. We've heard from Matt Barzell. You know, we've kind of been in and out all over the place with the locals. And we'll take a quick break. We'll come back on this Saturday morning and we'll we'll take a look at what the three teams locally here in New York have coming up over the next week. So we'll do that in just a moment. It is the Hockey Show. I'm Dave Rothenberg with you right here on a Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN. Let's get a little extra money in your pocket. Andy from Merrick. Wager plays for Saturday, February 12th, 2022. The New York Islanders face the Calgary Flames tonight, just one day after taking on the Edmonton Oilers. Play the under as you can expect a low-scoring game and defensive struggle. Elsewhere, look for the Columbus Blue Jackets to cruise into the Bell Center and defeat the reeling Montreal Canadiens this afternoon. Andy from Merrick's Wager Plays are for entertainment only. As always, bet with your head, not with your heart. Gambling problem? Dial 877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. Back to the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. And of course, the Hockey Show, in addition to All-American Ford, brought to you by the great people at Slowman's, who have been a tremendous supporter of the show. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME to receive a free doorbell camera. With the installation of your Slowman shield, keep your family safe. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. Me. We will look to the week ahead, but before we do that, let's look to the All-Star game. It was last weekend. The Metropolitan actually won the All-Star game, which in, entails winning two mini-games. They beat the Pacific 6-4 to four in a semifinal. In the other semifinal, the Central beat the Atlantic 8-5, to five, which set up a battle between the Metropolitan and the Central in the finals. And the Metropolitan with a 5-3 victory over the Central. And in that game, Chris Kreider scored a goal for the Metropolitan team, of course, of New York Rangers fame. He has 33 goals heading into the second half of the season. Speaking of another Rangers player, this time it's an ex-Ranger. We mentioned earlier in the hockey show that, well, there was a switch with Montreal, right? Dominic Ducharme, he is no longer the head coach based on what happened the other night against the Devils, so he's relieved of his duties. And who comes waltzing down the road to be the new head coach of the Montreal Canadiens? None other than Martin St. Louis, of course, of Rangers fame, of Tampa Bay Lightning fame as well, and really just did a terrific job uh, his time here with the Rangers. So he has no coaching experience whatsoever. Let's take a listen, though. With no experience, Marty St. Louis, what kind of coaching style do you now bring to the table? Uh, playing with a little more instinct uh, with ideas of how, how we want to be as a team. Um, now, there is structure inside concepts. You know, sh- systems, you can say structure. When systems, you box players in into only 
certain things they can do. And, and, and I, that was probably one of the things that I hated the most as a player, is play in a system where I, I was a great player when I was allowed to make reads because the best players make the best reads. But if you take the reads out of the equation, those best players become average. So I want to make sure that I allow my best players to make reads. And I'd rather them make a bad one than not making a read at all. And sometimes in systems, there's not much reads. So that, of course, Marty St. Louis, the new head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And X-Rangers all over the place. X-Rangers coaches all over the place are making some news. Of course, David Quinn is the head coach of the uh, U.S. Olympic hockey team right now over in China. So Kreider making some news, uh, Marty St. Louis making some news, and David Quinn as well. Now time to take a look at the upcoming schedule presented by the All-American Auto Group at locations in Paramus. Hackensack, Old Bridge, Point Pleasant. They are the number one Ford Auto Group in the Northeast, allamericanford.net. We start with the Islanders. All right, they're at it again tonight on the road. Tough matchup in Calgary, taking on the Flames. You can hear that game 930 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Then the Islanders have off Sunday and Monday travel all the way back to the east and take on a very winnable game Tuesday night 630 against the Buffalo Sabres up in Buffalo. That game will be on 1050 a.m. off Wednesday at it Thursday that game back at home UBS Arena Islanders 7 o'clock on 1050 taking on the Boston Bruins. So tonight Tuesday, both on the road, back home next Thursday against the Bruins at UBS. That's what the Islanders, who again, we've mentioned it numerous times, have really no margin for error as they hit the second half of the season. The Devils, um, they've been terrific, really. They've they've scored seven goals in their first couple games out. Lindy Ruff back behind the, the bench. Devils have a very busy week. Let me set it up for you. Tomorrow... 1.30 at home, and I know Rangers fans will be rooting for them then. 1.30 at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Then Tuesday, 7 o'clock, also at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Thursday, on the road, 7 o'clock at the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then Friday, a trip to the Midwest, 8.30, drop of the puck against the Chicago Blackhawks. So I've given you the Islanders and the Devils, and the Rangers have not played So we did the show last week. Now this week, they haven't played since two shows ago um, here. The Rangers have been off for an extended period of time. Remember, the last game they played was that Tuesday night game. I believe it was a Tuesday night game against Florida, and they were phenomenal. Now, Adam Fox has been activated off of injured reserve. He's going to be back for the Rangers. So all of a sudden, this team starts to get themselves a little bit healthier. Rangers not in action again, and they should be fresh fresh and rested and ready to go Tuesday at the Garden against an old rival. The Boston Bruins come to town. That's a 6.30 start right here on 98.7 ESPN. And not a busy week at all. The Rangers come back kind of taking baby steps here. Uh, On Thursday, they travel to Detroit. That also is a 6.30 start. And that also right here on 98.7 ESPN. So the Rangers have two games. The Islanders have three games. And the Devils, by far the busiest of the three teams, have four games this coming week. And and there you have it. So, I mean, we've done really so much today. We appreciate the time of of Don LaGreca uh, breaking down the Rangers. And he, like I, very 
you know, I thought the Rangers would be competitive. I thought they would maybe compete for, for that eighth spot, maybe seventh spot. I didn't expect it. This is premature for me. You know, I, I like the direction the Rangers are going in, but I didn't think we would get to the point that we'd be in 2022 and you'd be sitting here on February the 12th saying to yourself, you know what, the Rangers are a playoff team. And that's the situation that we're sitting here right now. The Rangers are, unless there's a catastrophic disaster, a playoff team. So great for the Rangers. Islanders, of course, it's been a struggle. Devils, even more so of a struggle. But we've looked at all the locals. We appreciate Don LaGreca. We, we've done everything humanly possible this morning on the Hockey Show. As always, I give a big thanks to... Uh, Anthony Pusick, who does just a yeoman's work, sets up the rundown, reaches out to the guests, does the recordings, does everything, the editings, the everything humanly possible. That is the job of the great Anthony Pusick, great Dean Han as well. Um, and of course, Andy from Merrick is our executive producer on the hockey show. So Joe Wiz comes your way in just a moment. Following that, I come back giving you three full hours of sports talk. You'll get Stump Rothenberg in there. Um, you'll get the football frenzy in there. And we'll get you set with Anita marks at noon so have a great morning uh it's a beautiful day enjoy it out there enjoy the weekend enjoy the super bowl i'll be back at nine right here this has been the hockey show back next saturday morning at seven right here on 98 7 espn thanks for listening to the hockey show with dave rothenberg presented by the all-american auto group the number one ford auto group in the northeast learn more at allamericanford.net